Hi, this is Dave Feldman. I hope you know we are recruiting for a study on lean mass hyperresponders and borderline lean mass hyperresponders. Just visit citizensciencefoundation.org slash study to find out more details. Hey, guess what? It's another episode of Two Keto Dudes. I'm Carl Franklin. That's Richard Morris. G'day. Yes, it is not our typical episode. Which I should mention, we always read every single time. It's not That's pre-recorded. Right. And we sneak stuff in there for, for the listeners who are willing to put up with that That's right. content. And we are celebrating the authenticity of Festivus today. Festivus. Yes. Festivus. <laughs> so, so, Carl, t- tell me about Festivus. What is Festivus? All right. Well, for those who weren't Seinfeld fans or aren't Seinfeld fans, this is a holiday that uh, was uh, introduced on uh, an episode of Seinfeld. It was, uh, you know, Festivus is a holiday for the rest of us. Right. That's the idea. Yeah. <laughs> and there were two major, well, three major parts of it. Four, if you include the Festivus meal. Um, one was the airing of grievances. The airing of grievances. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and and it, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and they also had uh, feats of strength, right? Feats of strength. Feet, yeah, you Festivus. had the meal and the Festivus pole. And the Festivus pole. And the clock in a bag, right? <laughs> well, the okay. So the original holiday, there was this came from a real thing that was started by one of the writers on the show. All right. Uh, Dan O'Keefe. And it was a tradition started by his father, Daniel O'Keefe Sr. And if you go to festivusweb.com and look at the origin of Festivus, you can it, it has this story here. Uh, the senior O'Keefe originally invented Festivus as a way to have a holiday that was secular and not burdened by the religiousness and commercialism of the holiday season. According to family folklore, the first Festivus occurred in 1966 on the occasion of the first date of Daniel and his soon-to-be fiance Deborah. Uh, throughout the 70s and 80s, Daniel O'Keefe continued to make Festivus an annual tradition among the O'Keefe clan. Uh, it had no set date. It could occur at any time of the year, and usually never at Christmas. And uh, I guess Daniel O'Keefe, who was inspired by the Samuel Beckett play Crap's Last Tape, whose protagonist tapes himself speaking at different times in his life, used a tape recorder to record the proceedings, which included a portion where the family members spoke <laughs> out about what was bothering them. <laughs> like the airing of grievances, but not officially named as such. <laughs> nice. The airing of grievances. So the pole was like a like a substitute for a Christmas tree, but it, without distracting branches and oh yeah, none of that. An aluminium pole, yeah, <laughs> on a stand. None of and that appa- distracting stuff. Apparently, there's an instructable online for how to how to make your own Festivus pole. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll put that in the show notes. <laughs> so uh, we're going to air our grievances today. That's essentially what this episode's all about. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But first, I want to check in with my buddy Richard. How you doing, man? How was your week? 
Yeah, it was good. Uh, Australia won the Ashes, which is uh, the, our cricket competition. Yay. Yeah, yay. We still have two more games of, of the five to play. So wait, even if Australia wins three out of five, you still play the other two? Yeah, yeah, because there's always an opportunity to win five nil. Oh, I see. <laughs> and it, uh, you know, for for my English friends, um, you know, uh, commiserations. I'm sorry we put you through the, all of this again. <laughs> <laughs> but um, really, I was kind of I was rooting rooting for England in Adelaide on the second mm. match because they had a good, they had a chance. Our captain was out with uh, COVID, or at least mm. he was a close close uh, associate of somebody who he was in a restaurant that somebody found out they were pinged that they had COVID in the restaurant. Yeah. Uh, so he was he was out and he's the, the world's best bowler. So there was a good chance there were, that England could come back in the second match. Uh, and I was kind of rooting for them because it's always good to have a close competition. I mean, you still want right. to win. You, you want your team to win, but you, you you want the competition to be close, but it's not been right. close. And and so um, I'm kind of looking forward to the next uh, time we play the Ashes, which is in two years' time in England where the advantage will be for, to the English and uh, and uh, I look forward to that very much. Any grievances around cricket that you would like to air at this time? <laughs> well, I, I, some competition would be nice, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, and it's a shame that, uh, that that most games last for five days, and I should be still watching cricket today, but uh, it hmm. uh, it finished within two, uh, you know three three days. So. Hmm. Anyway, but there'll be another yeah. match on next week, which will be good. That'll be in Sydney, and then there's a final match in Tasmania, and then that's the end of the, the series. So, are you looking uh, forward to going back to school? Yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, I'm. I'm actually reading through all of my texts for the for my undergraduate because I want to make sure that it's been like 18 months since I finished my undergraduate, and uh, yeah, and so I want to make sure that I'm up to date as much as possible with everything that I did there, so I don't have to relearn it. So. Yeah. Right. And so you're going for a PhD, right? Or you're going for a master's first? Master's first, yeah. So I'm doing a master's in bioinformatics, which is kind of combining the biology for my undergraduate. I did biochemistry, but it's it's, it's essentially uh, it's sort of half biology degree, half chemistry degree. It's called biochemistry. But um, mm. my honours was in computational chemistry so that was sort of veering into my old career as a programmer and then bioinformatics right. is there's a lot of programming so what I, and I really wanted I really want to nail this so um the masters so and at one point you were making a computer model of a cell are you still working on that is that going to be part of your studies so that was in computational chemistry I made a compu computer model of the membrane the inner membrane of the mitochondria okay. um a cell is a bit bigger. Um, uh, that's techno. That's sort of uh, uh, technology for which we don't have like big enough computers in the world to to, to model. Wow. Um, this is something that you know. It's we're probably about twenty years away from being able to do that. But just wow. a little a little patch of a of the membrane was what I modelled. Um, Amazing. But I modelled it accurately, so um, you know all of the the diversity of lipids that are in a in a mitochondrial membrane. So yeah. that that was for my honours. That was computational chemistry. Uh, bioinformatics is really uh, statistic for biology. So hmm. um, I've one of the things that I've noticed while I'm reading uh, papers on the biochemistry of keto, I find that there's not a lot of expertise in people doing 
those kinds of experiments in mm. mathematical modeling. And so I figured it's a good skill to have. Um, I need to get a master's to get to my PhD. Yeah. My goal is to try and knock it out of the park. So good. one of my first subjects is introduction to programming for scientists. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Are you going to teach it? <laughs> no, no, I'm going. To, I'm going to nail it. You think it'll be Fortran? <laughs> no, it's it's it's, it's Python and R. Ah, so R, well, that's, R is, that's good. Yeah, R is the language that Dave Feldman's uh, stuff is in. So yeah, we, on, cool. yes. And the other podcast with the other Richard .NET Rocks, we talk about R occasionally. Anybody who uh, is interested in statistics, R is a programming language for statistics. So, Carl, how are you? I'm good. Uh, I, I got to tell you, I made the most amazing prime New York strips last night for dinner. Yeah, Emmy, my daughter came over for dinner, and uh, I wanted to do something really special. So there's a butcher near me called Salem Prime Cuts, and uh, I went up there, and they had some one-inch you know, steaks. And I said, do you have any really thick New York strips? And he says, well, those are thick. I said, no, twice that thick, like two inch thick. Did he cut right? some off for And he did, yeah. He nice. cut them and he said, yeah. do you want uh, choice or prime? He says, prime's going to cost you. And I said, well, then I want prime. So I got the best New York strips they offered. They were literally like square, two inches by two inches. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and how would you cook them? So uh, salt and pepper, vacuum sealed. 134 degrees under vacuum sous vide for two hours and then seared in butter on all four sides, just golden brown delicious, which is the Milliard reaction, by the way. Yes, and it is. Don't get me started because this is one of my grievances. <laughs> it's not caramelization. It's not caramelization. No. I'm looking at you, Robert Irvine. <laughs> <laughs> And that, let me just tell you that edge to edge, just perfect pink, medium rare, slice like butter, a little fat around the edges, and just absolutely perfect. Like as tender as, as tenderloin, but with the flavor of New York strip sirloin, which is just the best. It was probably the best steak I've had in two or three years. Nice. Isn't it good when the best steak that you've had in two or three years has come out of your own kitchen? It's a, yes, <laughs> yes. It's, that's a uh, now that's a ble that's a festivist miracle. Absolutely. Right <laughs> <laughs> I was in Vegas not too long ago, and you know went to eat at uh, different restaurants there, and even really good steak restaurants. It wasn't that as good. It just wasn't as good. It was good, but not that good. Yeah. yeah. So I did steak also on Boxing Day and mm. I posted it on Facebook. Yeah. It was also in the sous vide and it was seared in butter in a, on a hot pan for about 20, 30 seconds. That was about yep. it. Yep. And, and, and then I cut through it and I had it with some, uh, some prawns for surf and turf. And you could see the actual searing was the brown on the outside was like a millimeter thick and then everything else end to end was all perfectly medium that's rare. That's it. That's steak. it. And that's why I prefer getting really thick steaks if I'm going to do them in sous vide. Yeah. Because that gives you more of a chance to brown the outside without overcooking it. Yeah. Yeah. 
but yeah, butter. Salt, pepper, and butter. Who knew? Oh, well, I guess we did. <laughs> <laughs> so I had, today I actually ate some carbs because I had a, a ham left over, just mm-hmm. like the, the ham bone and a little bit of ham off it. So I I, I, I cut all of the ham off the, the bone mm-hmm. and then basically cooked the bone in some water. Nice. Um, with, with some vegetables to make a ham stock. Yeah. And then and then took uh French blue lentils, which are the lowest carb pulse. Huh. And just about half a cup across two meals. Um yeah. they've they've got quite a lot of carbs, but but it's the lowest uh carb content of all of the pulses. And because nice. uh, I, I love uh ham and split pea soup. So that's uh, the closest yeah. I can get to it. Me so too. I had I had that tonight, but I went for a bike ride so I Punched a hole in my glycogen and uh, good and yeah. So, <laughs> so how are things are how are things otherwise? How, how's the how's your non food um, life? Well, going? Uh, everybody's Get, just weary smoke? of COVID. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. everybody's yeah. still weary of COVID. In fact, um, we're going to speak to that a little bit more later. But um, it, 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 it <sighs> Should we start with the airing of grievances or? Yeah, let's, let's, let's roll with it. <laughs> Straight yeah. Into it. Cause we're going with, all right. So I, I'm, I want to leave COVID to the end, but let's start with some more, uh, superficial grievances. Let's say sure. Sure. these are minor annoyances rather than grievances, right? <laughs> okay. And you got the recorder on, right? Oh yeah. So we're recording. The yeah, clock's we're... in the bag. We have the Festivus <laughs> poll. So this is this is official. And you know There won't be any we, feats we, of strength today. Well, but... well, you know, to to be fair, as far as the feats of strength goes, Festivus is not over until somebody's pinned grandma. <laughs> so Well, all my grandmas are dead, so I guess <laughs> okay, that won't two. work. Uh, so, mine too. <laughs> all right. So consider them pinned. So let's um, go straight into the airings of grievance. <laughs> All right, so I already uh, talked about one of them, which has to do with popular media and, uh, in fact, the Food Network, which, you know, tries to walk the the righteous path of, you know, being fair and not sing, singling out any diet or whatever or talking about this diet or that diet. So they, they try to be agnostic. So they don't make fun of uh, vegans for being deficient in Vitamin no, B, B12 no, they, or iron. Or they want to that. include everybody in their viewership, so they don't. Okay. They try not to alienate anyone, unlike us. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Apparently. So, uh, yeah, Robert Irvine. I just remember watching Restaurant Impossible or one of those things, and he's you know he goes to save a failing restaurant and he's teaching him how to cook steak on a flat iron, salt and pepper. And, you know, when it browns up, he's, he's, he says something like, uh, you know, he's confusing the milliard reaction with caramelization, saying, searing the beef draws out the natural sugars in it and caramelizes the steak. <laughs> and I just want to reach through the television and punch the – well, I wouldn't punch the guy because, let's no. face it, he's, he's a, big a big dude. <laughs> But I want to kick him in the shins at least. (laughs) Just stop that. Stop that. Just educate yourself, man. Yeah. So there's a difference. And, you know, uh, and I've had people argue with me, well, there are trace amounts of sugar and beef. Yes, but that's not what is browning. It's protein. 
It is. It's protein. We spoke about this the other day with uh, Peter Ballasted about the the process. The browning of it actually decreases the uh, available amino acids in the in the product. So uh, yeah, yeah. Was it al- alanine? Was one of the amino acids? I don't recall which. Hmm. But uh, yeah. <laughs> so the the Australian broadcaster here um, is they tend to be uh, they tend to try the same thing to be very um, uh, on the fence about diet except yeah. when it comes to a keto diet. And hmm. there was this article the other day that was talking to Michael Mosley. He's a famous British doctor who does a, he does did the 5-2 diet and and he's done a bunch of uh, diets. Well, he's he's now moving closer towards keto. He's now doing a low calorie ketogenic diet is how he mm. believes that you can reverse type 2 diabetes. He's wrong about that, and I'll give, I'm more yeah. than happy to, to have that conversation with him. Well, I think we but have had that conversation over the years. We certainly have. I mean, I mean, the point of the ketogenic diet for a type 2 diabetic is if you're not eating any glucose, your liver manages your glucose level. Right. A type 2 diabetic is unable to manage their glucose level using insulin because – they're a hyper-producer of insulin and they become insulin-resistant. And so right. they've got high glucose because they've lost the ability to deal with too much glucose. But if you make sure that your body has too little glucose, it'll make it in your liver, on demand, homeostatically, and it will right. keep your glucose in range. And that's, that's the entire point of the ketogenic diet for type 2 yeah. diabetes. Calories have nothing to do with it. I mean, right. but anyway. So yeah. – um, so this this article, uh, I'll put it in the show notes. This article is uh, was going on about oh, isn't the ketogenic diet really bad for your kidney and your liver and right, and yeah. you know do, doesn't it cause bad breath and and yeah. <laughs> I was just surprised that she didn't talk about keto crotch this interviewer because you know that's the other thing that uh, haters of the ketogenic diet came up with two years ago to try and make uh, funny about uh, type two diabetes and uh, ketogenic diets, but. Yeah. So, yeah, while the ABC is uh, our broadcaster of record, kind of like your NPR or the BBC in, in Britain, um, they really need to step up their journalism game. So here's another example of just ignorance in the media. And, and you know, these are people that I respect. I respect Robert Irvine and I respect Gordon Ramsay, right? Right, yeah. But I was watching this old show with Gordon Ramsay when his kids were little it was called the F word and F stands for food. Yeah, All right. But it's it Gordon Ramsay. So <laughs> it's Gordon Ramsay. So yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, in season one, episode seven, and the episode is called let's talk about sex and soup. It aired December 8th, 2005. And about six minutes in Gordon is talking to Davina McCall she is uh, an English television presenter. She was the presenter of the reality show Big Brother during its run on Channel 4 between 2000 and 2010. Uh, let me just play this. <laughs> You're not on a particular diet or anything no, no, like that, no. are you? No, I don't diet. No. How do you keep so fit? Work out. Work out. I mean, I basically eat what I want Yeah. Um, because I work out. And that's one very good reason to work out, isn't it? But when, no. So you can eat what you want. <laughs> yeah, Yay! exactly. But uh, have you ever been on a diet? I did that. that I did the Atkins. Worked brilliantly. I lost six pounds in two weeks. Amazing. Sense. But I was obsessed yeah. by bread. Like, if somebody picked up that piece of bread yeah. over there, I'd see you at I 500 paces. And I'd be like, oh, my God, there is isn't bread. <laughs> really? you know, and then I'd say, OK, I'll have Sundays off. So I'd start eating sweets and bread at seven in the morning. And I'd literally be like, pasta, 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 pasta. Uh-huh. 
you know, and until the end of the day, it was just ridiculous. There is one negativity uh, against the sort of Atkins diet, you know, because it's not very good for your sex life. Did I just say the word sex in my ear? You said yeah, the word yeah, sex yeah. in my ear. I mean, does it have an effect? In my effect? ear. Don't, you can't do things like that to me. Oh, I'll tell you what, it does it have an effect on... It lowers your libido. Well, <laughs> I couldn't poo. I mean, if you're going to say sex, oh, let's God, say poo. Yeah. I couldn't poo for ages because you It was awful because you don't eat vegetables. Okay. And with that, hello, heinous breath. Yeah. So obviously, sex but... life's going to go out the window because you can't <laughs> snog. And if you can't snog, you're not going to have sex. <laughs> you took me there, Gordon. Wow. Just yeah, wow, wow, right? <laughs> now, this is 2005, so this is before the word keto was even on anybody's mind. Of course, ketogenic is a word that, you know, goes way back, but it, but it wasn't hip, you know? This is the, the Atkins, Atkins diet. diet back then. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was in the, on the Atkins diet but in 2000. Yeah, me too, so but, but here's what she yeah. said. She says it worked brilliantly, and, and her yardstick was two weeks, Right. That's the worst time of the ketogenic diet. Exactly. <laughs> you know, that's when you have bread dreams and carb dreams and, yeah, yeah. you know, you're converting <laughs> over to uh, to ketones and, it, you know, it really messes with your body and the, the acetone comes through your breath. Is that yeah, the right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, but, you know, there's a whole other level of bullshit here, which is... Gordon Ramsay saying that uh, you you know the one thing that's bad about the keto diet is your, it messes with your sex life, ruins your libido. On what basis is it? Is yeah, it ruin. Did it ruin his libido? Is he yeah, willing no, to they, go into more detail about like, that? He just like as an authority just says, "Oh well, you know, you know." As an authority on being a dick, <laughs> right. it made him more of a dick. <laughs> he's or, made a or career. Or less of a dick. I don't know. Yeah, he's made a career out of being a dick. Exactly. Yeah. That's ridiculous. I mean, he asked her in the beginning, he said, how do you keep so fit? And she says, I just exercise more. Doesn't yeah. she know that you cannot out-exercise a bad diet? Well, here's the thing. But per, uh, perhaps she can. But, you know, not a guy like me. No. Not a 300-pound no, type 2 diabetic. That isn't going to work for me. And so exactly. this, is a, this is one of my grievances in general, which is that thin people telling overweight type 2 diabetics how to lose weight as if losing weight is equivalent to getting healthy first of all exactly yeah but second of all just you know oh well i just go to the gym and everything's fine oh, 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 oh. you yeah, know that doesn't work for for a type 2 diabetic no well certainly somebody who's morbidly obese i mean you go yeah. to the gym if you're morbidly obese you can see these people on the biggest loser they're, they're right. morbidly obese when they start they work out for 13 weeks they yeah. lose half their body weight they put all of it back on again and yep. their metabolism is screwed six years later kevin hall showed this i mean right the amount of energy that they burn when they walk in the door is cut to half yeah by the end of the competition, and you would think when they start putting the weight back on again, their metabolic rate will go back up again, and it doesn't, you know. Right. These poor people are still exercising six yeah. years later, but there's no competition on, on the cards, so your ability to torture yourself like that is limited. 13 weeks is about as long as you can you keep that kind of pace up. So unfortunately, she doesn't understand human metabolism, and it shows. Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I want to bring people's attention to a podcast that I helped produce in 2018, which was the obesity code podcast. And there's a great episode on exercise. 
uh, is called fat adapted exercise. And so, you know, there's more and more of these uh, stories of people uh, and energy balance is another one, May 11th. More and more of these people have the same story, which is, you know, I, I believed that if you eat less and exercise more, you will lose weight. And guess what? You're going to lose weight. <laughs> but it's just yeah, no, not the right way to lose weight. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. sustainable. You, you, see, the, the problem is that these people, for some reason, cannot burn fatty acids. And right. so um, because of what they're eating, if you yeah. only give your body fatty acids to use for energy, it's going to have to get good at it. It's yep. as simple as that. And so, um, you know, if you change the way somebody eats so that their body is forced to burn fatty acids, they have plenty of energy. It's not like that they, they, they right. don't have a metabolic haircut like yep. they do if they, they're eating a diet full of vegetables and grains and a little bit of meat on the side. You know, yeah. this, is, this is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> the biggest loser, I can riff for like an entire episode on, the, on yeah. how, all of the many reasons why the biggest loser is a stupid idea. It's, yeah. it's like meta, metabolic jackass. You know, you know that show Jackass? <laughs> yeah, the, I remember. The guy, yeah. the, the guy, the guy sticks a Hot Wheel up his rectum and goes in to get a, 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 a get, yep. get an X-ray. It's like the it's like the metabolic version of that. Yeah, uh, this will this will be fun for you. So let's get some fat people on treadmills. Hold my and, beer and torture them. Yeah. <laughs> hey, famous last words. Hey, watch this. <laughs> 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 exactly. So, so yeah. No, I totally get it. The, the media just uh, uh, needs to get needs to step well, up their game. I can't really, really blame the media. It's really a reflection of popular culture and popular sentiment and what people believe is true. Yeah, it's reflection. There are benefits to exercise. Sure. One of the things that happens when you when you can burn fatty acids for energy, you will get thinner because. Fatty acids on your body in fat cells and also ectopically in your muscle cells, your liver cells and fatty liver, this is all a buffer of energy. And when you can utilize that energy, you draw down on that buffer. Mm. But your body doesn't – you're not going to become, uh, you know, twiggy <laughs> on, a, on a ketogenic diet unless <laughs> you then go ahead and starve yourself. So yeah. here's the thing where exercise actually plays a useful role. It's good to have good heart health. Yes. It's, it's good to be able to not pass out when you're walking upstairs. Yeah. It's it, in my case I I cycle for for transport. I don't do any exercise. I just ride my bike 14k a day to school and back. Well, you you even said that after eating those lentils you punched a hole in your glycogen with a little exercise. Yeah, yeah. I did. That's because of the state of your body and the state of your metabolism yeah. that that works. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, the thing is that also exercise provides a signal for your body as well. Yeah, if you want to lose weight, if you really want to lose weight, run. Now, I don't do that because I played football and my knees are shot, yeah. and so I can't run on my knees, and it's probably not a good idea to run on my ankles. So, yeah, yeah. I cycle, I cycle, and that's that gives my body a different kind of signal. But if you want to, if you want to be as light as possible. Um, you need to tell your body, we need to be mobile, and mm. your body will pick up the signals and it'll say, wait a minute, we're quite large and we're carrying around all of this energy that we're not using, and uh, if we're going to be doing this kind of thing on a regular basis, that is running on the road, then we need to reduce the amount of weight so that this animal can do that. And, you know, if you want to be if you want to be slim around the waist, swim, you know, because because the, the your body... Um, 
uh, response to the signals that you give it. Mm. Um, but you don't, but it's, it's not about burning calories. You right. don't exercise to burn calories. That's the wrong thing. You exercise to get cardiovascular health and to give your body signals that your body will interpret as this is how the environment around me is changing, and so I need to adapt to that. That change. So there's one other grievance that is wrapped in this same episode of the F word from 2005, which they okay. actually got right, which is they're talking about packaging and in particular, uh, low fat packaging. Right. And they basically got a low fat yogurt and a regular yogurt from the store and, you know, read the ingredients and asked people, you know, which is healthier. And everybody said, well, the low fat. But, you know, here's the thing. They can take that low-fat yogurt they took the fat out of and add, like, a cup of sugar. Right. And, and it's still – and they're still able to call it low-fat because yeah. it is. We're, but it has twice the calories. <laughs> yeah. Right? And, it, and they're empty sugar calories, which yeah. damage you metabolically. So they got that yeah. right. Yeah. But that's another one of my grievances, which is packaging, you know. And now you – know, False advertising, packaging, deceptive packaging or whatever, false claims has come to the keto world. And and I talk about this. I've talked about this before. You go to Costco and there's so many products that have the word keto blared across the bag or the box or whatever. Do you check the ingredients? <laughs> yeah. And you check the ingredients and it's full of crap. <laughs> it really is. I saw, and I think I mentioned this, I was in Whole Foods in Vegas, and I saw in the, I was looking for some heavy cream, which by the way, hard to find in a whole wall of cream-like products and milk-like products. <laughs> Actual cream. One of them said keto creamer. Keto creamer and, you know, unsweetened. Oh, nice. you mean like heavy cream? No. Yeah, no. <laughs> Keto well, creamer. What was it? it was keto creamer. <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah, I didn't yeah. even look. You know, it wasn't cream. Mm. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, it is ridiculous. <laughs> While we're airing grievances, I'm going to air a grievance about your neighbor who apparently has a monster truck and yeah. he's doing donuts in your street. I know. So, apologies for the apologies for the odd uh, monster truck appearing on Carl's side of the Yeah, we we're trying to work around it, but uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my neighbors love their trucks and their guns and their that kind of thing, so and their ATVs. And apparently they had a backhoe in their yard oh nice just to add to the ambiance oh yeah just yeah they had it they were digging something in the front yard uh before the before it got really cold didn't really talk to him about it but it's just you know i don't know what's going on with my neighbors but. <laughs> well should we get into the more uh shall we say controversial grievances richard i'm gonna get controversial here is my biggest grievance about 2020 and 2021. Yeah. How the hell did half of the low-carb influencers become conspiracy nuts? Yeah. I know of people who run low-carb conferences who are full-on flat-earth conspiracy believers. So if they have a conference and they're flat-earthers, they obviously had to get into a plane to come to the <laughs> well, conference and fly maybe five or six hours, and you, from a plane, you can see the curvature of the Earth. Just saying. 
Maybe they just wore a blindfold and put their hands over their ears and went, la, 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 I can't see or hear any of this. Oh, yeah. But it, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, the thing is that as an Australian, obviously we're uh, crisis actors. <laughs> you know, we, <laughs> Australia doesn't exist and we're all crisis actors. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't be you know. on the – now, if you're on the other side of the world, does that mean at some point when you're flying you have to go over the edge and go under and now you're flying upside down? And we're all standing up. So we're all upside down. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like a bat. In my right. native country, I'm like a bat. I sleep upside down. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm not a scientist, but I kind of think that's bullshit. I think it's bullshit, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, the, the, the anti-vax stuff on the, in the low-carb community is just incredible. It's been the most – look, I'm, di- I'm disappointed in you lot. I, it's been the most disappointing thing for me, disheartening thing for me this year, that people I respected who, I mean, I'm literally having to go back over everything they've ever said to mm. see, okay, what was the basis for that claim? Yeah. Um, and I probably should have done that in the first place. Yeah. I had somebody well-known in the low-carb community in July of 2020 mm assure me on the basis of no evidence at all that the pandemic would be over by the end of September, that everyone's getting it, we're all becoming immune, this virus is a, is a, is a case-demic and... And it was an opinion. It was an opinion. It was an opinion based on no facts. Well, it wasn't put forth as opinion. No, it was put forward as an assertion. Yeah. An assertion, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the, uh, the thing is, I mean, not all vaccines are safe. I mean, this is a fact. And, right. you know, you need to be, you need to think critically, am I going to put this foreign thing in my body? Right. But when you compare all of the things that could happen from the actual disease and the mm. fact that, I mean, the mRNA vaccines are remarkable. I, I did an undergraduate with a minor in molecular biology. So I'm not a molecular biologist, but I've been taught by some experts. And the technology that's gone into this is not something that was invented since January 2020. Yeah. This is not something that we started working on in, in at the beginning of the pandemic. This is something that's been going for going on for, for over 20 years. Yeah. Um, and it, when you think about it, the, the, the virus is just a lipid envelope with mRNA inside. The virus has also got RNA inside mm-hmm. and it's got, uh, 29 different proteins plus the spike on the outside. Yeah. It and and it, it infects your cell. It it'll transfect your cell and get your cell to make entire viruses. And every virus that takes over a cell produces a roughly 10,000 daughter variants to infect all of the cells around it. Mm. And so this is this is a, a plus it also it also includes a lot of disease plus this yeah, you know, there's 29 different proteins that you know you could make a an immune response to one of these prote- one of these 29 proteins that's too similar to one of your self proteins, and all of a sudden you've got autoimmunity. I mean, the risk of of the actual virus compared to the risk of a lipid envelope with the instructions to make just one of these proteins, a spike protein, enough to be able to to produce neutralizing antibodies, enough to be able to produce T-cell immunity Mm -hmm. for at least 17 years and probably lifelong. I I don't get how the low-carb community all of a sudden has fostered so many people who believe in really strange conspiracies. Mm. I get the idea that, you know, that that pharmaceuticals are... are, uh, uh, a bad. I mean, you know, we've we've been over prescribed pharmaceuticals for. That's for, true. Yeah, 
cholesterol, for diabetes, for heart disease, for hypertension. It's it's a bit of the boy who cried wolf, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, in that it's unfortunate because you know here's something that is has been created to save lives. Yeah. And and it has, and uh, you know, with almost half the world being vaccinated now, um, it's not an issue of it's dangerous or not. The half the world has been vaccinated. Yeah. Right. Are is half the world dead? No. Ninety-eight point five percent of uh, people in Canberra are vaccinated. Yeah, how many of them died from the vaccine? Uh, none that I'm aware of, and I wouldn't be surprised if the- if there was a few. We have four hundred thousand people in Canberra, mm. and if every single one of them got the vaccine, some of the instances of sometimes fatal side effects from from the vaccine, like uh, myocarditis, is right. uh, is roughly four in a hundred thousand. So you, you know there there would be sixteen people probably in Canberra who had myocarditis, right? But this is something that's transitory and and goes away, and, and people spontaneously have myocarditis when they're fighting off any kind of virus. So right. you know the, the the incidence of myocarditis from the actual SARS-CoV two virus, or for influenza or any other virus for that matter, yeah, is quite high. So you know the fact that I'm not aware of any in Canberra that have uh, have had um, serious side effects. I'm, I'm would be surprised if there wasn't some, but. Right, but I mean the fact is when you look at the numbers the the risk reward ratio is is just yeah, so totally low. Totally unbalanced. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Absolutely. So, so, you know, I yeah. I I mean 50% of all keto dudes have got have had coronavirus. So, have had COVID. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, it's it, it's it's coming for all of us. So, here's the thing, do you want your body to be making an immune response to spikes on the on the virus? while it's dealing with every cell being infected, producing 10,000 replication-competent daughter viruses plus the five-alarm emergency of the disease that it's causing? Or do you want to pre-warn your immune system by just saying, hey, buddy, here's the spike. If you ever see this again... It's sort of... I I sort of uh, have an analog to how we process uh, audio files here at Pop Studios which is, you know, we do this for every podcast. Before we start recording, we hold our breath and make no noise for five seconds to get the ambient yeah. noise. And then we teach the computer, hey, this is background noise. Right. Now, remove the background noise from this audio file without disturbing the actual signal. That's not background noise. And it, right. it, an mRNA vaccine is very similar, or isn't it? Because it it yeah, trains yeah. your immune system and says, hey, you see this thing right here? Go get this that. This is on the outside of the viruses. Yes. Yeah. See this spike right here? When you see that, destroy it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then it's out of your system in like, what, two two or three days? And it's completely gone, right? You're, the mRNA. Oh, the mRNA doesn't last for more than about five hours. There you go. So if you've ever worked with mRNA on a bench uh, or RNA on a bench, you have to keep it in liquid nitrogen. Uh, you yeah. have to keep it cold because, and if your liquid nitrogen boils off overnight, you come in and you just got a vial of grey goo. Mm. There is no RNA left after that. Mm. So in the body, at body temperature, it degrades really quite quickly. Plus yeah. we have enzymes that are designed to to get rid of any any RNA floating around the body. So, you know, 
within a couple of days of getting a vaccine, there is nothing left of the vaccine anymore. You've turned it into, you know, you've, t- you've taken those lipids and you've repurposed them to, to you know, use them for energy or uh, or to reuse in other phospholipid membranes. Mm. You've taken the, the nuclear bases from the RNA. You've uh, essentially uh, chop that all up and yeah. uh, and reutilize those to to make RNA to make different proteins. So, you know that. But but okay. So so we know we. I think you get it by now that we both understand the safety and the efficacy of this vaccine and this whole series of vaccines. But we were talking about the airing of grievances and we were talking about people, not just in the low-carb community, but it seems like in the United States anyway, it's a such a divisive issue. It's become, it's become a, cultural. A cultural and political. And it's tied to the, unfortunately, tied to in people's minds, the whole uh, fake news thing and, you know, election fraud and all of these things right. that a, a certain person kind of uh, tried to manipulate the, uh, you know, people uh, tried to manipulate the message and conflate things. And therefore, if, you know, somebody leans politically towards this uh, towards tribe, this tribe, they're going to believe all the cultural things that go along with that. And part of that culture is a mistrust of government, right? Which, okay. Yeah, yeah. I can understand yeah, that. I don't, I don't trust government either. I don't trust government Absolutely. either, but I do trust science. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, th- th- to be fair, there is there is some science that is bad. There is, right. uh, I don't trust the first uh, rendering of the Sydney Diet Heart Study. Right. But here's the thing about science is that, um, Christopher Ramsden went back in over the Sydney Diet Heart Study and the Minnesota Coronary Experiment, yeah. looked at the actual data and said the claims in these studies are not supported by the data and he reanalyzed the data and so science corrects itself. It's a, that's it's right. a method of correcting itself. Right. And that's, I mean, Ansel Keys wanted to show, he he had this study in, in mental hospitals in Minnesota where he, he Managed. It's really clever trick. He managed to produce two meals that looked and tasted absolutely identical, but one was high in saturated fat and the other was high in polyunsaturated fat. Yeah. And he had a theory: if I reduce the saturated fat, I'm going to lower cholesterol. And sure enough, that's exactly what it did. But more people died who ate the polyunsaturated versions of yeah. the of the foods. More people died of cancer, of heart disease, and the same thing happened with the Sydney Diet Heart Study. That evidence was actually buried, so the paper was basically came out and said, "Well, yeah, if you if you increase that, if right. you increase saturated fat, you in, increase cholesterol, and that's a, a priori bad. So therefore, this yeah, is, it's bad to add saturated fat." But, and people who understand the history of the ketogenic diet understand that, you know, science is influenced by money sometimes, and all of these things, and so therefore, you know, we can apply those same truisms to to vaccines and to, uh, you know, to, to this, this whole kerfuffle here that's going on. But, uh, but the science doesn't bear what people are, uh, putting out there. And it's disheartening to see from people that we respect so much. And we've said this before on the show, really, really, some of our guests, some of our guests who are not coming back, you know, uh, sorry to say, but, uh, you know, you uh, brought up this idea that on social media they use these shibboleths, which is maybe even a single word that 
you know, identifies them as being part of a tribe. Yeah. So so shibboleth is an interesting term. It's a, it actually comes from the Hebrew, and it means the part of the grain that has the payload, the starch of the grain and the germ of the grain is the shibboleth. And one of the tribes in the in the region had a similar word, but they would, instead of saying shibboleth, they would say sibboleth. And so if you start a conversation, you turn the conversation towards talking about grains, you could pick up that they were the wrong tribe because they were using the wrong term. Right. And you knew your people, if they said shibboleth, you knew they were your in crowd. If they said sibboleth, you knew that it was the out crowd. So yeah. this is what this term shibboleth is used for. But it's used as a, t- as a term for words that indicate that somebody is in your in group and not in your out group. Right. And on Facebook, Facebook went through this, I think they realised that they had problems in 2016, so they started trying to use artificial intelligence to analyse people's posts to look for clearly fake. And and certainly when the, the pandemic happened, they were worried about people spreading incorrect information about about the coronavirus. Yeah. And so they had these artificial intelligence uh, programs that would, they weren't very good. They were kind of artificial stupidity <laughs> because <laughs> they picked up things like people talking about breast cancer. They said this person's talking about porn or whatever. Right. So yeah, yeah. anyway, here's the thing. I mean, all of a sudden posts on the subject of COVID right. were COVID-19, as it was called back then, were being tagged for being you know, potentially um, incorrect, and here's some more, here's some correct information, fact-checked right. information, and the fact-checking wasn't wasn't particularly good. So you know, it was kind of it was it, it was, was more like clippy, wasn't it? It was more like, hey, yeah, it was like, I see you reading like something about COVID. Yeah. <laughs> here's a <laughs> yeah. link to an article that we know is valid. You know, go to yeah. It is. Facebook fact check is a kind of like Microsoft Clippy. (laughs) Absolutely. Perfect analogy. (laughs) And so a bunch of people decided instead of using the term COVID-19, they'd spell it backwards to Divoc 91. And here's the thing. Artificial intelligence is not that dumb. It's not like you can't make a search term for COVID-19 and say, well, wait a minute, let's do it backwards just in case nobody can spell. Or let's do it with, uh, let's put the word vaccine with X's instead of C's. Or let's talk about, uh, you know, the COVID juice instead of the COVID vaccine. Yeah. Uh, Or the C hyphen juice. I mean, it's not like Facebook can't add more search terms. Exactly. into Into their list. It's not about trying to hide from the fact checkers. It's about telling people, hey, I'm with you. I know this I right. know this thing is all bullshit. Yeah. So this use of shibboleths. Now, I've seen it top to tail through the keto community from doctors, some locally, f- from professors, from dietitians, from uh, nutritionists, from people who should know better. And there's a bit of this bandwagon propaganda too, like, you know, hey, I've got this person and this person and this person and this person all on in my tribe. Yeah, I have the creme de la creme on my side. Yeah, so why- And you should really join us. You should join <laughs> didn't, us, didn't, yes. Didn't somebody say to you, yes. I hear Richard saying really, Richard's saying horrible things about uh, vaccination and uh, are you on my side or Richard's yep, side? Yep, yep, I did. <laughs> Are you kidding uh, me? Right? I'm on the side of science. Um, can we talk about that maybe? Yeah. Uh. Anyway, the whole thing about follow the science and then mocking 
what science is. Science is not a thing. It's a it's a method. The scientific method yeah. is how we make sure that we don't fool ourselves. Right. Scientific method is how we put out our homework, put out all of our working out of how we got to our result. Yep. To our peers, to the wider world, and we say, here's the claim that I'm making, and here's how I arrived at that claim, and here are all of the claims from other people, here are the references right. of all of the claims that other people have made that I'm using to get to my claim. Now, what do you think? Did, yeah. did I do okay? It's not, I'm right and you're wrong. It's, prove me wrong. Yeah. It's, prove me wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Take me to task. The first person who should try and prove themselves wrong is a scientist themselves. Absolutely. I mean, the first job of a scientist is to try and prove yourself wrong. Right. If you're doing it properly. So, you know, it's uh, <laughs> the whole, the whole Chibbler thing is kind of, kind of childish and ridiculous. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And the, oh, and the, <laughs> while I'm on about grievances, the other thing is food purity. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, people who say, you know, you, you've got to have um, uh, grass fed, grass fed steers named James from the from the from the western <laughs> flank of the <laughs> right. of the of the Pyrenees, or you're not eating righteously. You know the the whole thing is that here's the thing: you can take somebody who is a, di- a type two diabetic who is eating McDonald's every day, yep, and get them just to take away the bun and the chips and drink a diet coke instead of a full strength coke, yep. And just get the burger and the cheese, yeah. and you know, cut cut the special sauce. Like Tom, have Martin. a salad, knock yourself out. Yeah, you could do that, and and you are going to reverse their type two diabetes. That is going to get you ninety five percent of the way to having to getting them to a healthy diet. It's still rubbish food. It's still right. cheap, the cheapest possible inputs. It's still horrible fast food. But it's it, it's not about the food purity. About you know. Removing the carbs will get you 95% of the way there. Yeah. Maybe reducing seed oils will get you another 4%. And, you know, you got 1% left to go. You're 99% of the way there removing just carbs and seed oils. In other words, you're there. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Well, pretty much. It's possible that there might be scientific evidence that shows that oxalates are bad for us and that, you know, the pH of the food that we're eating is going to have an effect on us. That evidence does not exist today. And the kind of experiment that you would have to do to show that involves feeding somebody for 80 years to see what happens to them. And in a large enough group of people and hopefully identical twins where you fed the other identical twin the control diet. I mean, that's the kinds of experiments that you need to do to be able to make those kinds of claims. So, Which are impossible, really. Yeah. It's also coming to COVID. I mean, people are saying, well, you know, I, uh, you know as, long as, you, as long as you eat a ketogenic diet, you won't get COVID. No, actually, fifty um, percent of all keto dudes got got COVID That's while right. eating a ketogenic diet. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It's not the it's not the diet. It'll reduce the impact of the disease. Sure, sure. Yeah, you know, but uh, we don't know. I mean, diabetes and obesity are both cofactors for severe disease with COVID, but we don't know why that is. Nobody knows why that is at this point. We just see that the observation, but we don't know if it's something upstream. Yeah. From those things, maybe there is something about the genetics of people who, twenty years after they're born, they start to develop obesity and type two diabetes. Maybe there is something about the genetics of the day that they were born that is going to impact the likelihood that they're going to get worse with COVID. So, so here's another one of my grievances that is exactly related to what you're talking about, which is 
you know, uh, people in the low carb community who have experienced and are experiencing metabolic health, right? Because we know what that is and therefore feel that, um, you know, they're, they're fine, right? I'm not going to get it. So I'm fine. So why do we need all these masks and everything? Right. Yeah. Okay. So it's just a completely selfish point of view. And I would say even a bit evil, to yeah. think that, yeah, to think that, you know, the attitude comes across. I'm a, I'm a right, Jack. You know? uh, yeah. The attitude comes across that, Hey, you know, maybe if you stop eating crap carbs, you'll be safe like me. So you get what you get. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you let these people die. I don't care. Cause, you know, uh, uh, we, we know the answer and the answer is metabolic health and, and, uh, you know, if you're, if you're eating Doritos every day and you're going into the hospital for COVID, you know, that's what you get. And I think yeah. that is absolutely inhuman. It's, it's completely inhumane. And, uh, you know, where's your compassion for your fellow man? You know, yeah. how about you use that opportunity to educate people, uh, yeah. instead of, you know, just waving them off and saying, you know what, this is like thinning the herd. That's another, that's another right. thing I hear once in a yeah. while. It's thinning the herd. We're getting rid of all the stupid people. Yeah. Great. And uh, so I wear a mask when I go out, mm -hmm. yep. not because I'm worried about getting COVID because look, I had it and I'm vaccinated three times. You, you got the super immunity right there. Yeah. So... <laughs> Maybe I do, maybe I don't. I don't know, but but the fact is, is that if I get it again, I'm not going to the hospital. So that's not why I wear the mask. I wear my mask to protect you, because I the last person that I came in contact with and stood and had a conversation with for an hour or whatever, and then yeah. I may have given it to me if I didn't have a mask, and then I go and I talk to you, and I give it to you. I'm going to be fine, but I'm giving you COVID, and you're going to yeah. take it home to grandma. And, you know, she's immunocompromised and who knows what's going to happen, right? Exactly. So I do that for yeah. you, man. And I, I got in an elevator in the MGM Grand in Las Vegas last month. And there's uh, – all right. I'm not going to characterize the people that were there as being in okay. a certain group, but they were. And, uh, you know, I got in – the elevator with my mask on and I'm the only one in the elevator with a mask on and they all look at me and these two guys in particular look at me and laugh and they just start laughing. Now I know yeah. what they're laughing about, right? There's, I know they're laughing. What is this guy doing? You know, he's like, uh, you, uh, like how sad is it that we aren't even free to go into an elevator and where, you know, this guy's life must be so pathetic that he's got to walk around with a mask and blah, blah, blah. And I'm doing it for you, mother effer. As, as, you, <laughs> as you exited the elevator, you should have leaned into him and whispered, I just passed wind. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you might want a mask for for what I just did in this elevator. Yeah, part part of my onions. <laughs> so, I the New York Times did this uh, uh, article where they they looked at after since since vaccinations have become universally available for adults. 
by state, they looked at what the vaccination rate of each state was and what the deaths per 100,000 were in each state. Okay. And so they put a circle for each state along the y-axis up the side of the, the graph was the number of deaths from uh, uh, zero per 100,000 to five per 100,000, 10 per 100,000, 15, 20. Right. So up to 20 deaths per 100,000. This was per month. So these were how many deaths were there, 10 deaths per 100,000 per month or 20 deaths per 100,000 mm-hmm. per month. Mm-hmm. And then along the bottom they had the vaccination uh, take-up, so, so from 45% to, to 80%, 80% vaccination. And if you actually look at the states, the line is very clearly goes down and to the right. And so it, you know, the states that had the least uh, take up in vaccination had the greatest number of deaths, and the states that had the highest take up in vaccination, like uh, Vermont, is, uh, is sort of like seventy eight percent vaccinated, mm-hmm. and they've only got four deaths per hundred thousand per month. Yeah, and Wyoming, which is about forty seven percent vaccinated, has seventeen deaths per month. Right, uh, per hundred thousand people. Hmm. So I saw this. I looked at this, and I thought that's interesting. Is there anything that we can that can tell us? What causes a state to be on one side of that line or another? And so I looked at the uh, Electoral College results from the 2020 election yep. and coloured each dot with a red if, if they went for, for Trump and Pence or a blue if they went for Biden and Harris. Yeah. And, um, and so it is remarkable that all of the states that have the lowest vaccination and the highest number of deaths, except for Georgia, all of the states are red. Yeah, Michigan is sort of into the red zone, but all of the states to the right half of that are all blue. See, now, critics would say you're being political. No, people, this is data. It is data. It's a fact. <laughs> it is a fact, yes. It is a fact. So I thought, well, that's interesting. Why is, however, would, would uh, two states have the same amount of vaccination? So, for example... Um, Montana and North Dakota have roughly the same amount of vaccination, mm. about 53, 53% vaccinated. Okay. Yet North Dakota is like eight deaths per 100,000 mm-hmm. and Montana is like 16 deaths per 100,000. So why wow. why would it be double in one state? Uh, and they're both red states, of course, but, mm-hmm. but why, would the, why would it be double in one state? So I looked at the obesity rate. So I, I got a list of the oh, states ranked by obesity. So the lowest state, I think, was D.C., which has the lowest rate of obesity, to the highest state, Mississippi, which has the highest amount of obesity. And I put a number next to each state based on where they are on that list, whether they're more obese or less obese. The interesting thing about Montana and North Dakota is Montana is the 41st most obese state. Wow. And North Dakota is 21st. So North Dakota is more obese than Montana, and yet... North Dakota's death rate is 8 per 100,000 and Montana's is 16 per 100,000. Interesting. So, yes, obesity and diabetes has an effect. But when you actually look at, you know, this is all aggregated up to the state right. level. Um, obesity doesn't quite describe it. In some cases where you can get some some states that are, have the same level of vaccination, so uh, but different levels of uh of mortality, the obesity rates, you know, it has a clear factor, but there are some that are outliers. And so obesity doesn't tell you all the story, but I'm pretty sure if you get vaccinated, your chance of dying of this is a lot lower. That's what the data says. 
Yeah. That's that's just data, you know, and, and, and yeah, it is a bit political and because I'm in Australia I can I can I can say these kinds but, of things. But it's only look, political because the reality is political. The reality is that people in the red states tend to uh tend to be more critical of vaccines and not take them. And, yeah. and that's just, and that it's a shame. Bears out the data. It's a shame yeah, it because a shame. it's really we're really one of the only countries where this is the case. You know, there are very few other politicized uh, vaccine philosophies out there, um, you know, at a national level. It's a shame. I mean, we have people protesting vaccines, and the people who are protesting the vaccines in uh, Melbourne are also cont- uh, carrying uh, flags from unions. I mean, they're, yeah. they're protesting labour laws. And then, the, the, like, there was a group who, who burned the, the front door of the old Parliament House today who included a lot of people complaining about vaccines, yeah. but there was also uh, Indigenous Australians. I mean, it was, that, that was the primary protest. So, yeah. you know, the, the, we, in Australia we do have people protesting that and, and they have a right to do that and they, should, uh, and they, they, they deserve the right to be able to, to freely assemble and to petition their government and to use their free speech to, sure. to, to say what they have to say. Sure. But, you know, the... the we don't have quite the problem of an entire half of the population on a cultural issue yeah coming up with a with a conclusion that 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 is going to threaten their lives so um yeah i, I find okay i think uh it's time for feats of strength <laughs> I thought that's what we just did. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, I needed I needed some strength to get through some of that. So we have an announcement, <laughs> and uh, that's what I wanted to get to at the end here. That uh, we're putting the show on ice until further notice. Um, there's a few reasons for this. One big reason is Richard's going back to school, and uh, I am. He's swinging for the fences, and he needs to be head down. And you know that's why we stopped the last time, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, also, Keto Fest is off for next year. Uh, it, I don't think we could possibly do it in October because we don't know what the situation. It's is just too unknown. That's right. And uh, it, it's we thought we would be in the clear now, and then Omicron happened, and you know, it's it's too it's too early. So we're going to keep the website up. We're going to keep. Um, getting names and emails for those people who are interested. I'm also going to add a little send us a note message uh, field on there. So if there's something that you want to tell us, uh, you can do that. But uh, also cost and time. Time and money is another reason. We would like to do a new show every week, and we wanted to do that, but our Patreon doesn't allow for that because there are expenses you know what, how we could have got Patreon to pay for it is we could have come out as anti-vaxxers because I know of a prominent low-carb person who's become an anti-vaxxer and now makes $200,000 yeah, a year. Yeah, it's, it's a popular sentiment and uh, uh, reality is not very popular right now because it kind of sucks, right? So, you know, if, you're, if you are a Patreon, you want to continue, that's fine, but you, we don't expect you to. So if you, you know, feel free to revoke your support, but we want you to please continue to support Richard's forum Patreon and Carrie's as well, because the forum is going to continue on. Yeah, yeah we're going to keep the forum up. I, I mean, our goal is for the forum to outlast us. So, um, you know, that, uh, 
the so so that will keep up. Yeah, uh, for as long as we can keep paying the bills. <laughs> That's it. So you know, firmly, Richard and I stand for science, and we hope you do too. And uh, it's not a political issue; it's purely about science and data. And uh, you know, convince us otherwise. That's the thing. And if you're going to try to convince us otherwise, don't be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, to be honest, we've been we've been avoiding speaking on these subjects for for the past six months because we didn't feel it was appropriate on the ketogenic. Uh, right. podcast, but you know, it's all come bubbling out at the end because it's been a very disappointing year. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm it really disappointed has. In, a, in a lot of people in this community. Yeah. Well, we love you and thanks for listening. And, uh, we do. Hopefully, we do. we'll be back when things return to normal. But, uh, until then, keep in touch, be on the forum, and, uh, don't drive like my brother. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's not your neighbor with a with a monster truck, is he? No, no. I I say that because that's how the car talk guys would sign off. The 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 Malayatsi brothers they would say, "Don't drive like my brother," and the other one would say, "Don't drive like my brother." <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, we we have our own sign off here, Carl. That's uh, keep calm and keto on. That's right. Keep calm and keto on. Right. And we'll see you hopefully some other time on Two Keto Dudes. Yeah.